So, Shelly, this episode is pretty cool. We are interviewing Allie Harper from Our Shelves. Mm-hmm. Our Shelves is a cool website. They curate diverse books for children. So children's books about LGBTQ issues mm-hmm. that show ethnically diverse situations in families, mm-hmm. um, feminist characters. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We had been waiting a while to interview her. We kept putting it off, so shame on us. Not on purpose. (laughs) No. Just life happened. Just sort of worked out that way. But why don't we take a break and get to the interview when we come back? Yes. Okay, be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Latter Day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gig girl just trying to figure out her shit. Oh, I changed it up. You cannot change it up. <laughs> I just did. Well, finish correctly, please. I'm Mary. I'm Shelly. Uh, today, it's really not about you figuring your stuff out. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a guest today. Mm-hmm. I know. Should we get to the interview? Yeah, I really, just because I want to make this about me for just a second, I really like our interview episodes. You do? I do. What do you like about them? Uh, it's fun getting to know people. I yeah. am a people person, and so... When we interview listeners, in case you didn't know, we typically don't really make a lot of notes. Mm. We don't really make notes on anything, let's be honest. We're very (laughs) fly by the seat of our pants. Okay, that is true, except for when we interviewed Linda K. Klein with the Pure Book. Remember? That's true. We had notes. I listened to that thing. I took notes along the way. Mm -hmm. So that one was a pretty in-depth interview. (laughs) Mary prepares better. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Anyway. (laughs) moving forward, let's get into the interview. All right, let's do it. I'm pumped. This is cool because, Allie, for real, how long have we been trying to set up this interview? God. Oh my gosh, a really long time. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it took us so long. I don't know. Busy, COVID. Who the heck knows? Vacations. Details. Yeah. Yeah. Details. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so our guest today is Allie Harper of Our Shelves. So that's a cool name. It's not just a clever name. It is a clever name. It's not just a clever name. Allie, we want you to tell us all about Our Shelves and how it got started, all that good stuff. Sure. So Our Shelves is uh, LGBTQ and other diverse kids' book subscription service and advocacy effort. The beginning of Our Shelves is really when we had our first kid, who's actually about to turn eight. So I had been working the marriage equality campaign pregnant with her, and um, this was in Maryland. We won marriage just in time to get legally married before birthing her, um, which, by the way, we birthed her in our Subaru Outback car. We didn't quite make it to the hospital. That's a whole other story. Whoa. <laughs> You're so gay <laughs> that you had your baby in a Subaru. <laughs> it was so gay. It was, we feel like we should be on a commercial. We should be on a commercial, right? Subaru love. Anyway, <laughs> so we birthed her, and then we quickly kind of turned to books for her. Books have always been really important to my wife, Jen, and me. And we were married actually in a library. And we started looking for books for Anna when she was born. And we were really surprised at how hard it was to find high quality, age appropriate kids books that affirmed her two mom family. Mm. And also many other kinds of kids and families. Right. You know, it was this all kind of started with our search and having trouble finding these books and also talking to our friends, colleagues, family, you know, across the country 
as we all started to have babies and realized, wow, all of us are looking for these books. So there's a large audience for these books, but Mm -hmm. we can't find them. They're not easy to find. We spent some time trying to just understand what was going on. And I think after a few years of just, again, from a real kind of parent perspective of trying to find these books, because we knew how important it is um, for our books to reflect our family and our values, we kind of came up with two structural systemic, you know, observations about the kids book industry and why these books were hard to find that led to the founding of our shelves. So the first problem, and forgive me if they seem kind of obvious, but they're important because they led to the founding of our shelves. But the first problem was just there are not enough LGBTQ and also other diverse kids' books. There just aren't enough, period. So that was the first problem, just not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we're just talking specifically about LGBTQ families, you know, if you have very few books, then you can't even scratch the surface of all the diversity within our families. Yeah. So the first problem, just not enough high quality, age appropriate kids books. And then the second problem was, okay, there actually are some of these books, but they're often too hard to find. Mm -hmm. But those two problems are actually interconnected because if there are some books and they're hard to find and people want these books, but they can't find them, then they can't buy them. And if they can't buy them, then the sales underperform. And if Mm -hmm. the sales underperform, it perpetuates to publishers this false notion that these books are hard to sell which means then they don't produce enough of them. So you can see how it kind of becomes, <laughs> it becomes a problem. Yeah. So no one knows about the books, so no one can buy the books. So it looks like nobody wants the books. The right. publishers don't want to publish the books. Exactly. Wow. So the two problems are interrelated. And so our shelves, when I started to talk to people in this space about what we could do to have an impact, we set up our shelves with a dual mission to address both of those problems. So the first part of our mission goes to the hard to find piece. We set up a curation team that finds these books that can be hard to find. And then we connect them to the busy parents, families, other family members, teachers, librarians, other grown-ups seeking them um, for their kids. We try to make it, them easier to find. We deliver them right to their doorstep through our subscription service. So we send out mm. boxes quarterly, and I can share more about that later. And the curation team, I should say, it's majority LGBTQ, it's yeah. majority people of color, It has the expertise of people from academia, librarianship, teaching, early childhood development, psychology, bias development of identity-based bias. But 100% of the people have the lived experience of themselves and their kids not being represented um, or being underrepresented in kids' Mm -hmm. books. So we have this great team of experts who are finding these books and reviewing them and we're connecting them. How do people curate these books? Where, where are they finding them? So it's a great question. All over, anywhere we can find them. Some books are easier to find than others. On the LGBTQ front, it's particularly challenging because often these books are coming from smaller publishers or foreign publishers. Mm. So one of the types of books that can be hard to find, and forgive the oversimplification for labeling them, but If I'm looking for more, so if I have a baby and I want my baby to have kind of a sweet bedtime story where she sees all different kinds of families, I might call that a more everyday kind of story. Like the storyline isn't about being LGBTQ. It's not about, sometimes these books are more about bullying or homophobia or different kinds of families. So we might call those, again, forgive the oversimplification, but more issue oriented books. And then these other books that are more everyday topics where the identity, the LGBTQ identity isn't kind of the whole the issue to be addressed in the story. Mm. So those books can be much harder to find. And what we found, one of the reasons for that is that so books, when they're made, they get certain tags on them, which are how librarians and booksellers and other people can search for certain kinds of books. But if you have a book 
and we have some examples where the storyline isn't about being LGBTQ. Sometimes those tags don't even mention that the book don't even have an LGBTQ tag. So a librarian, a bookseller who might be looking for these books can't even find some of these. Like we had a book, A Plan for Pops, which is a great book. It's by a press in Canada. So it's a foreign publisher, a smaller publisher. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to have the marketing and distribution resources in the U.S. that a major publisher would have. And also this book that has a main character, and we don't know the gender of the main character, and also has this main character has two gay grandpas. And it's a beautiful story and text and illustration, but it's not at all about being gay or LGBTQ in any way. Um, and that yeah. book is not labeled. If you look at its tags, it does not have an LGBTQ tag. Hmm. Okay. So that was kind of the opposite answer to your question of why they're hard to find. But so our team, I think that's why we've tried to assemble a diverse team with diverse um, backgrounds. And we're just keeping an eye out. We're constantly asking mm-hmm. the publishers right now we're going through the curation process for our next box and we're writing to all the publishers and saying, what do you have of A, B, and C type of book? It's kind of looking everywhere, constant communication, trying to find them. Dana Rudolph, who runs a website called Mombion, is a great resource. Mm-hmm. And Dana tends to know about these books as well. But even Dana and I were speaking the other day about if you find one, let me know, <laughs> you know, because sometimes it feels like you're searching for needles in a haystack. Wow. Well, it's got to be exciting when you find one. Like, oh, oh my gosh. It's so, you know? yeah, it, it's, it's very, it's very exciting. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Are you in touch with individual authors or is it more through the publisher? Great question. So actually we also have a place on our website where both authors, illustrators, so book creators themselves can um, submit books to us if they have books they want our curation team to review. And also people, you know, just parents, teachers, family members, anyone who finds a book that they think would be a good fit, we also have a place on the website to submit those. So it's really kind of, it's really a community effort. That's awesome. So I've been on your website and so it seems like you curate book packages for people. Now, is that a way that you get books to people or do they shop for them individually? How does that work? That's a great question. So as of now, we curate the books and our curation team, we choose the books. We have books for kids ages zero to eight and you get a box, you sign up for sunshine boxes are for kids zero to two. So they're board books. And then you could get rainbow boxes, which are for kids two to five or treehouse boxes for kids ages five to eight. And we curate the content. So you sign up for either one book per box, three books per box, or five books per box. And we choose those books. We're looking into the feasibility of allowing more choice. We're just trying to figure out what that entails technologically and fulfillment-wise and other things. But for now, we curate them. We've also tested out and we'll do more of what we call add-ons. So we send out kind of the standard box, but members can choose additional books that we've curated for past boxes or if they've really liked a book and they want to get a bunch more to give to friends, they could do that. Um, So that's something we've tested that's worked really well. So we'll do more of that. Um, And each of the boxes include, as long as you're getting a multiple book box, a three or five book box, you're going to get LGBTQ characters and families, feminist characters and families, and racially and ethnically diverse characters and families. Part of the reason we did that, we were deciding whether to be just an LGBTQ box versus diversity more broadly. And we felt strongly to do diversity more broadly because, first of all, LGBTQ families, we're so diverse. Half the kids in our families are kids of color. And if Mm. right now, 
the LGBTQ books, there's so few of them and they don't at all reflect the diversity within our families. So it doesn't feel right to send a box out that wouldn't represent our families. Mm, And also when we did, we did a lot of marketing research survey interviewing people and people wanted diversity more broadly, which also isn't, you know, isn't surprising. I like to say the boxes are kind of intersectional in a way that the books should be, but are not yet. So there are kids and characters and families of various underrepresented identities in all the boxes. We also include um, disabled characters, characters who are underrepresented in terms of their religion. So many, you know, many different fronts, bilingual books, indigenous books. And we really try to focus also on bringing in um, what we call own voices, authors and illustrators, um, which means people who have the underrepresented identity being depicted in the book. Gotcha. If you're in touch with authors, are you in a position to almost make requests for some of the stories or do you stay out of that part of it? The second part of our mission is the goes to this problem of we don't have enough books, period. And the two pieces of that mission are one, kind of the education and communication with publishers, just being in touch with them and saying, this is what everyday families, teachers, librarians are asking for and what we can't find. So I think we're doing more of that communication at the publisher level. And we're really trying to kind of connect there's this expertise about what the market needs from everyday families and teachers and librarians that um, we've been surprised there is a disconnect with publishers. So for example, I was meeting with a, um, a really senior level editor of a New York publisher that's really known for its diversity. Their books that had LGBT characters and families have been pretty heavy on the bullying, which is important. It is important to have books about homophobia yeah. and bullying and kind of explaining different kinds of families. Those books are very important. And also it's really important that there are also books that have kids avoiding bedtime and being superheroes and like, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. And I had been talking to her about it. Would They had done a bunch of books with bullying. And I had asked, um, would you would you be willing to do some more kind of everyday stories, like take a family like mine with the main character with two moms as an example? And her response was, well, I don't understand. Like, what would the story be about if it's not about the two moms? And we were like, well, it could be about anything, just oh. like all of the white mom, dad, middle upper class families. <laughs> like a regular old story. <laughs> you know, have many books about bedtime and yeah. fairies and superheroes. <laughs> our kids deserve that. And other kids need to see our kids in those stories too. Right. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. Listen up, all of our listeners. You don't have to be LGBTQ anything to want these books in your home. You can be just a straight white person. <laughs> You know, you can. It's good to get these books into homes, no matter what your background, no matter what your ethnicity is, your gender, doesn't matter. It's good to get these out there. Well, and it's good to broaden a child's horizons from a very young age, you know, and have them, you know, get access to families who are maybe different from their own. That's really important. Yeah, we've heard really cool stories. There's this great board book um, called Baby's First Word. It's just a beautiful everyday board book that features a main character in a two-dad multiracial family. And we heard a great story from one of our members of how the baby, I guess maybe a one-year-old or so, kept pointing. So it was two dads on each page. And the baby kept pointing and saying, Mommy, mm-hmm. Daddy. And the family, it really brought up the conversation of, you know, the family kept saying, <laughs> actually, there are many kinds of families. There are families with one mom, with two moms, with one dad, with, you know, all the different kinds of families. And eventually, 
after many times of her kind of feeling that out, she now knows that there are two dad families. And as you said, at a critical age, most people think we internalize bias a lot older. That story shows that that child had already kind of internalized a heteronormative, you know, baseline. Right. But the research is very clear that um, identity-based bias is shown starting at age two. Wow. So it's really a critical time, these early years, because you can just see, I mean, you're just setting a baseline. Now that child is going to go forward in life knowing from her baseline, from her beginning, that there are all Mm -hmm. different kinds of families, which is so beautiful, right? Because then she doesn't have Mm -hmm. to, you know, come up to my kid on the playground, which (laughs) happened a lot and say, you can't have two moms, Uh you know, like that kind of stuff, you know, it prevents some of that and just creates a great baseline for going forward. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. How do you interact with teachers and do you? Yes. Many teacher members regularly subscribe. They receive our book boxes, the same curated boxes we give to everybody every quarter. We're now working with some school librarians, some school districts, and some school teachers on a more individual level. And if there are any teachers who are interested in listening, they should feel free to reach out. We're always happy to have a conversation about you know, who's your student population, what holes do you need filling in your collection? Because again, while we do have LGBTQ characters and families in our books, we also bring in other identities as well. So we love having those conversations and um, talking with teachers and finding out just how the books are being used, um, what their needs are, and trying to um, fill them. So we can do a little bit more customization with teachers. How do you get the word out about our shelves? Like, how do you find people to partner with? How do you find people who want to buy the packages? How does all that happen for you? That is such a great question because it's really our members. Um, We were surprised. We launched right before we had our second child, which is another funny story because I thought he was going to come late. So we were literally launching this like within days of his birth. So it was kind of a bit of a bananas time. Nice. Did you make it to the hospital that time? Yeah. Was this another Subaru baby? (laughs) Well, so this was my wife and she actually is a healthcare worker. So she was working her shift (laughs) when she went into labor and checked herself in upstairs. (laughs) That's funny. So that was, yeah, that was also an adventure. But yeah, we were, we were just so amazed. We put up a blog post. The idea was before he was born to send out a few boxes and just see what it would be like. But we put out one blog post. We received an incredible amount of support. It was a little bit of an overwhelming time because we hadn't anticipated that. But it was wonderful. And we were so grateful. Those members have stuck with us. In our growth, we, we have members in all 50 states. We tripled our membership size last year. Um, and it's because of our members. This upcoming year, we hope to be more intentional and proactive. I think this past year, we were trying to just survive. We had to change our operations. You know, with the pandemic, there were a lot of things going on, but we still managed to really have significant growth. And it was all due to our members sharing about us. So we're just grateful for, we have the most committed and loyal and kind members. That's fantastic. So if our listeners want to get involved, Besides the obvious, go to your website and and buy some books. What else can people be doing? So the advocacy piece really matters at every level. You know, if your kids are in childcare or in school, asking your teachers if they would be willing to carry these books and even taking the advocacy to another level. You know, there's the question of, you know, will you include books that 
feature LGBTQ families or Black Muslim families, really all kinds of families, but also saying, you know, will you carry books by LGBTQ, Indigenous, Black, Brown, Latinx authors and illustrators? Um, Or will you include books that aren't just about the homophobia and slavery and oppression? Will you also include books that show, you know, joy and fun and not just show books during Black History Month or during Pride Month, but have these books just out all the time. So there's so much advocacy that can happen. So I think asking in schools, asking in your local library to carry these books, um, even bookstores. I do this whenever I go into a bookstore. I ask what they have and then I say, and will you carry, you know, these other ones? Um, And will you put them out so people can see them, put them on the shelves where they're being featured? Will you include these books during story times? So I think the advocacy piece matters a lot. The more people hear it, the more they start going to staff meetings and requesting to their sellers and publishers, you know, that we need these. So that's all important. I also think to the extent you find books you love, write reviews, particularly in the LGBTQ content. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of nasty stuff that gets written when authors and illustrators create LGBTQ books. There's still some homophobic responses. So if you can put reviews on the sites. The hell is wrong with people? Jeez. Mm, That's a shame. Yeah. I know, right? I mean, these are like beautiful books about families and people. So, you know, if you can write positive reviews and give good star ratings to these authors and illustrators, follow them on social media and give them likes and all of that. We ask authors and illustrators to make videos for us. So if you check us out on social media at Our Shelves Kids, you can see those and support and follow those authors and illustrators because they're amazing people working really hard in the industry to get these books out there. Um, And then, you know, buy these books, you know, just commit to the extent you can and borrow them from the library, whatever you do to get your books. The volume really matters. I mean, so related, I mean, into the volume point. So what Our Shelves is ultimately trying to do is organize and prove the audience for these books to the publishers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whether that's you, when you're an Our Shelves member, you're not only receiving these books, but going back to that second mission of the advocacy strategy, At heart, what we're trying to do is not just go to publishers and say, oh, will you produce more books that have, for example, non-binary main characters or a bedtime story that's in English and Spanish, for example. So we're not just asking, but we're saying, and we're going to be here to buy these books in significant numbers so that publishers start perceiving opportunity rather than risk in creating these books. Because there's millions. I mean, the majority of the babies in this country are babies of color. Mm, Yeah. There's no reason a majority of the books shouldn't be babies of color, right? I think it's last time I looked, it was a little under 10 million LGBTQ millennials looking to grow their families. There's 12 million millennial moms who are supportive of LGBTQ families. I mean, there's millions and millions of people who want these books. So if you can use your voice, um, whether that's through our shelves and also outside of our shelves, just contributing to that volume that's really important because we need to shift the publisher's perception that this is this should not be risky. This is not risky. Right. But we need to prove that. What a great mission. And so interesting that you and your wife came up with this idea. And now I've just, I mean, how many years ago was that that you, you established this? Two years ago. Wow. That sounds like a lot of growth in a short time. Yeah, because my background's in lawyering and organizing. (laughs) And she's in healthcare. But it was kind of, it's funny. I really thought when we had our daughter, I thought this would take care of itself because I just figured it's obvious there's a huge audience for these books. And when she started reading chapter books, I was like, oh my goodness, she is another kid who just missed out on seeing herself 
adequately represented in kids' books. And then we were getting ready to have the second one. And I said, okay, I guess we should really get involved in this because it's not taking care of itself. So you saw a need and you got loud about it. I love it. I know. And it sounds like it's successful. Two years in for a business. That's amazing. Two years in. That's amazing. We're doing it. It's really fun. It's really fun. It we will definitely it. help you to be more successful. I know we've got a lot of listeners who love to just... Get involved. Get involved. Yeah. yeah. And do what they can. So throw us all the contact information, social media stuff, the website, how to get in touch with you. What's the best way to get in touch with you? The website to learn more about our shelves and why we started our shelves and to see examples of the kinds of books we curate is www.ourshelves.com. And our shelves is kind of like our bookshelves should reflect ourselves. Clever. Social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're at, at our shelves kids. And if you have any questions about certain kinds of books, um, you can contact us. There's a contact form on our website, but you can also email us at info at ourshelves.com. Um, and if you have a question, particularly for me, you could just put in the subject for Allie. And I will get to that. Um, But we love hearing from our members. Like our our theory here is that we collectively together can change and move and advance this industry. So our members and supporters mean everything to us. So Shelly, this sounds like a good time for a break. I agree. We'll be right back. And we're back. Hello. Earlier, Mary, I think you asked about also... Do we share about the kinds of stories we want to see? We we send out a fair amount of surveys after getting boxes and when you come on and all these things. And we're always asking, what are the kinds of books that you're looking for that you can't find? Yeah. And so we always want to hear those stories. And we're going to continue to find other ways to share those stories. But please share any of those stories um, with us because that's really helpful when we advocate with publishers. I love it for them to hear everyday stories of what people are looking for and what we're doing also while we don't have the stories. Like, I don't know about you all, but like I spent a lot of time changing pronouns. It's like bedtime. I'm falling asleep. I'm trying to read a story and I'm trying to change pronouns mm. to make my kid believe that her family's actually yeah. represented in wow. kids' books. But I like mess it up and then she, you know, can start to read and realize that or then a babysitter comes and reads the right pronouns and it gets all confusing, you know, but I think many of us can relate to what are all mm-hmm. of the runarounds we're trying to do to make our kids feel like, they're in children's literature because we know that that's important for them to feel that they are there. For sure. So you go in with um, whiteout <laughs> and you go over the old pronouns and put in the pronouns you want. <laughs> that's not labor intensive at all. <laughs> or you could just get the books from our shelves. You well, know, you could that. do that. <laughs> that's the easier choice. You know, it's funny. We all we like we always joke about it, but it's it is. It's like all of us these coping strategies we have mm-hmm. to bring ourselves into these books. But the good news is things are moving. And the more of us kind of speak up about it, I think we can really, we can really change things. Sure. And there's, I'm just convinced. I mean, we know we've done the research. Like we just know how many people there are. There's been so many examples of these books, like I mentioned earlier, that, you know, if people could just find them. Yeah. They would buy them, but they're just too hard. I mean, we know like we're busy parents, you know, busy teachers. It's like the busiest people in the world at the busiest time of their lives. We're asking them to do like PhD level research <laughs> right. to find these books. And that's, you know, it's too much to ask. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you have done the research for them. That's handy. And now we're passing the information along. So thank you so much. What have we missed in this interview today? I don't think you've missed anything. The only thing I want to add 
that maybe if you guys are willing to put in here, I want to give you just the name of the person who coined the phrase own voices. So just we can give credit to that person. Sure. Yeah, of course. So own voices is the term that refers to when you have authors or illustrators who create a book and they share the underrepresented identity being depicted in the book. The person who first came up with that term is Corinne. I'm going to spell Corinne's last name because I'm not sure how to pronounce it but it's D-U-Y-V-I-S. So that's an important term. And we pay a lot of attention to the authors and illustrators we're supporting, both because there's just, you know, like the kids' books themselves that can kind of either perpetuate the inequities of the status quo or challenge them. So there's the kids' books themselves who they're depicting, but there's also who is writing, who is um, illustrating, and who's um, being given access to share. And so we're also trying to ensure that we're supporting authors and illustrators that too often have not had the same opportunities. Right. Yeah. And that also leads to a much more incredibly rich and diverse set of stories from which to choose and which many more people can see themselves and many more people can get authentic representations of many different kinds of people. So that's something our curation team pays a lot of attention to. Do you have space on your website that features bios of particular authors? It's a great question. We, We should think about that. We do not do that Now, um, the closest thing we have is these videos that the authors and illustrators do, which I really recommend. I think when I was little, I thought of authors and illustrators, like not even as real people, like they were just such heroes and heroines, you know, and every time, still every time I get one of these videos, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they made a video. It's a real person. Look at that person and they laugh and they share why they made these stories. And you also get a sense by looking at these videos of just the breadth of representation and, you know, experience that people are coming to and how important it is for each of these authors and illustrators for them to see an identity that they bring and that they have found underrepresented how special it is for them, you know, to share a fun, great, high quality story with this identity that, you know, we don't get to see enough of. If you check those videos out, you'll get to know a little bit of the authors and illustrators and just see their like fun humanity. Yeah. So they can check out videos on your site directly. Is that right? Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? That is on, um, it's on our social media. So it's at Our Shelves Kids on um, Facebook in the video section. Yeah. Twitter and Instagram have them too, but I don't know if there's actually a section where you can see them all together, but in Facebook, there's actually a video section, but we should do that. It's a good idea. (laughs) We're just giving you all the ideas. What else? You want to ask us some questions? No, you you guys are the best. I should just, yeah. I know we are, we are seriously learning as we go. This is not at all, as I mentioned, my background is in um, lawyering and organizing. So I am learning. I love that you can take, you know, an idea pops into your head because you see a need And it's not like you're an author or a publisher or anything along those lines, but you're like, you know what? This needs to get done. And you just figure it out and you You do it. it. That's amazing. (laughs) I love it. Well, it's kind of what you all are doing, right? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So mad respect for you. Seriously, that's awesome. Well, I'm sure our listeners are going to be interested in all of this and checking out the videos, checking out the curated books that they can get on your site and getting involved Allie, thank you so much. This has been an amazing interview. I love this. Yeah. This is such a great niche. 
Am I saying that correctly? It's is it niche or niche? Is it I don't niche? Know. I switch it up every other time <laughs> just to, so I could cover it. Allie, how do you say it? You know, that is a great you question. You sound fancy pants when you say niche. <laughs> yeah, if I say niche, I feel like I'm pretending to be someone else. And if I say niche, I feel like I'm being like, hey, I was going to give you a word that rhymes with niche, but like I won't. bitch? <laughs> is that the one you're thinking of? Huh. Listen, we're talking about children's books. I felt a little uncomfortable saying bitch, but well, I'm going to. You know what? Next time I want to call you that word, which I don't, but I'm going to call you a beesh. See uh-uh. what I did okay. there? Niche. It's very fancy. I, but I'm going to say like, find your niche, bitch. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, this has devolved, this conversation. <laughs> we were all like, we were book nerds for a minute, and now I don't know what we are, thugs? What's I don't, going what's on? The books be all wordy. I know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. I think, Allie, we might need you to come on more often so you can keep us a little more highbrow. Because yeah, yeah, something yeah. just happened. Yeah. This went downhill quickly. <laughs> Are you kidding? You know what? When I have to when I have to take pictures with um, my kids reading books, if I need to get my kids to smile, there's a great book, Esther the Wonder Pig, The Great Adventures of Esther the Wonder Pig, which I actually don't think we've included in our boxes yet. But I always use it with my kids because they start laughing and smiling because the pig farts in the bathtub and then starts, you know, blowing all these bubbles. And that's the only way I can get my kids to smile to take a picture. <laughs> fart jokes. Awesome. Yeah, it's like it's keeping it real, right? Yeah. Kids love fart jokes. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't really? I mean, it's a classic. It, it is. And you always right. get a laugh out of a good fart joke. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, Allie, thank you so much. Yeah, really thank you. appreciate the information. And we are going to pass it along. And best to you as we survive the rest of COVID. And we got this. But guess what? <laughs> we got this. What better way to survive COVID than to cozy up with your kids and, and read, read book. some books from our shelves? I love it. Oh, thank you all so much. And thank you for having me. And thank you for creating such, I feel like, our missions are aligned in a lot of ways. Yeah. Just creating community and sharing stories and voices that need to be shared and trying to do that with, you know, sharing things that are real and truthful, but also, you know, being funny and awesome yeah. and real. And so thank you. Um, I just loved being part of the community and listening to your episode. So it's an honor to be here. Aw, you're sweet. Thank you so much. I'm well, blushing. We've loved having you. It's a trick to make Shelly blush. So congratulations. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that was fantastic. Thank you, Allie, once again. Yeah, thanks, Allie. Shelly, let's take one final break and get into some patrons and stuff. Can I tell you how many patrons we have? Uh, Is it exactly five? It is. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) All right. Be right back. Okay, we're back with patrons. And we were thinking it might be kind of funny to do last names with um, book titles, right? I think so. And by the way, listeners, also, I want you to know that when we decide what we're going to do with the patron names, we don't, like, pre-think this. This is, this is, we don't sit there and study them out. Like, A, I'm too lazy to do that. B, we typically don't have the time. Why do you want everyone to know how unprepared we are for podcasting? I, no. <laughs> No, what I'm trying to convey (laughs) Mm -hmm. is that what you get from us is like literally, truly us off the cuff, who we are. I think they knew that already. (laughs) Unscripted. Lesbians unscripted. That sounds like a porn. Huh. Okay. Hmm. Look it up. We'll be checking that out on Pornhub soon. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with it. No, you do you. Okay. And others, if that's what you're into. Mm -hmm. Should we get to the patron names? I think so. Yes, we have five. Oh, wait, are we doing this with kid book names? Uh-huh. Children's book titles. Okay. Yes, and I will give the first name, last initial if you want it, but you do what you want with it. Make it into a name. First one is Ivan J. 
Ivan J. You know what I'm, I think of? Huh. I want to suck your blood. That's not a kid's book. I know, so we got to make it into <laughs> a kid's book. <laughs> All right. Okay, how about uh, Ivan Green Eggs and Jam? J is for uh, jam. Oh, yep. <laughs> that's not a book title. <laughs> <laughs> but we're Sorry, Ivan, that's what you got. When you have a J name, there's not a lot of so Js. So Shelly was, I want to suck your blood. How about, I want to suck your green eggs and jam? Ooh, that's you a like good it? one. I okay. do. Kids will love that book. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next patron? Uh, next is ex-Mormon Mindy. Oh. How about, ex-Mormon Mindy marries her girlfriend, that's the name of the and whole title? And they have babies. Wow, that's quite the title. Well, so you're book. just making up your own kid's book title. I, that was my plan. Oh. oh. Are you trying to combine other? Yeah. I thought we were taking famous kid <laughs> book titles. Now you know that we actually do not talk about this ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, the ones you do, you. I'm creating whole new book ideas. I know. I'm I the see idea that. person where you're like copying shit. <laughs> oh, or, all right. <laughs> so ex-Mormon Mindy marries her girlfriend and has babies. Not to put any pressure on you to start <laughs> procreating. But it's a kid's book. Okay, ex-Mormon— Have a kid or not, it's up to you. Ex-Mormon Mindy marries her girlfriend and lives happily ever after with no man. I threw another M word in there. Okay. Ex-Mormon Mindy needs no man. There you go. Okay. But we don't know if Mindy's a lesbian. Well, guess what, Mindy? You are now. All right, I'm going to do the next title. Okay, next is Carly B. Carly B. Isn't that like a rap superstar? Yeah, I'm Carly B. I'm going to go with, well, when Carly B is not rapping, her <laughs> last name is Berenstein Bears. Carly Berenstein Bears. Thank you for joining us. That's not really a title. Is Berenstein Bear a title of a book? Yes. Or is that just like who's in it? Oh, it's it is, a I guess title. It is, though, you're the right. Berenstein Bears. Listen, it's been a while since I did <laughs> children's books. Clearly, I don't read to my kids. All right. Next Clearly is not. Kate. Kate, <laughs> that's all we get. So we um, lovingly like to punish our patrons that just give us a name. You mean of just a first name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to call her? So Kate, here's your punishment. Kate <laughs> is great. Kate is great. Oh, like eight is great. <laughs> like like yay, get baptized. Although, clickety clickety-clack. I just looked up eight is great is a kid's book title about Hanukkah. No shit. Yeah. Huh. So that's better than a Mormon reference. So there you have it. I mean, let's pretend it is. Awesome. So Kate, Kate is great. Kate is great. Way to go, Kate. Next is Jazz, not Jess, Jazz H. Jazz H. So let me take this one. Sure. Jazz mm-hmm. here. Like Jazz. Hear me now because you don't fucking listen. What? That's Kate's a book. children's book? It's for my children. Whoa. <laughs> That's not a children's book I'm familiar with or would ever read. <laughs> okay, so I wouldn't actually have it be fucking. I would, like, make an asterisk for the you. So it wouldn't, you know, hurt the kids' eyes when they read it. You don't want to make any money as a kid's author, do you? <laughs> it's just not my career <laughs> future. Shelly is the penniless children's author. <laughs> Probably getting sued as well. <laughs> Probably. All right, what's the next name? Uh, last patron name is, and you're doing this one, Emily J. Another J. Another J? Uh-huh. Okay, we're going to go back a few years okay. for this reference. Uh, Rudyard Kipling. Isn't that the author's name? Mm-hmm. Emily. Jungle Book. There it is. <laughs> I thought there that was slightly go. lame, so should we sing a song oh. from the Jungle Book? 
Oh, do you have one handy? What's your favorite? I, I couldn't tell you. There's like the, the bear one. Bear Necessities. Bear Necessities, that one? Mm-hmm. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know what? That makes me think of, um, what was the song we were listening on the radio the other day? Betty Davis Eyes. Okay. Remember when I messed it up? I don't remember what you she'll said. She'll please you, she'll, or whatever. She'll unease you. You'll unease you. And I thought it said she'll adhese you. Yeah, <laughs> which is not a thing. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of driving to do, and it just really shone a flashlight on my knowledge of song lyrics. Because yep. all these like 80s songs that I listened to in the 80s, in my mind, they were a certain way, and I never actually looked through them and corrected how I thought the lyrics went. So there were a lot... The girl with colitis goes by. You know that one? <laughs> no. That's the girl with kaleidoscopies. Beatles. It's a famous one. Oh. It's a famous one to mess up. Oh. There was also that we realized I had messed up um, that song Jump by Van Halen. Uh-huh. And it's I got my back against the record machine. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And I always sing I got my back against the wrecking machine. He worked on a construction it's site. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> and then another lyric from that exact same song. Where you have to roll with the punches. Yeah. I thought it was, you got to know whoa, whoa, where the punch is to get to what's real. <laughs> like like at I a party? sing it. Yeah. Like I <laughs> sing it that way until like three days ago where you said, What did you say? Well, you were a Mormon. So whenever you go to a Mormon <laughs> quote party, you gotta you gotta find the punch bowl right away. That's <laughs> exactly like, right. Get my eyes on the punch. Punch at all times. Patrons, thank you very much. How about channels members? Do we have some? We have three. Ooh. Do you want to space them out or just do all three right now? Well, I think you just gave away our hand. So. Damn it. Okay. Katie B. <laughs> Katie B. Berenstein. Ba- nope, nope. Just kidding. You cannot. <laughs> Can't do another B with Berenstein. Katie although that's fun to say. Got it. Katie Boxcar Children. Who listened to that series? Boxcar Children. I mean, read that series. Were they stowaways on a train or something? Yeah. Actually, yes. Okay. I don't remember why, but there was a group of four kids and a dog that lived in a boxcar. And one, listen, I read this forever ago, Mm -hmm. forever ago. I might've been like seven or eight, maybe. And the only part I truly remember about this book is there, or I don't know which, in which series it was, but there was a part, thanks Domino. And that was perfect because this is about a dog. There was a part where... Um, the older boy is like feeding a dog something mm-hmm. and the boy like told the sister, don't feed the dogs cheese. Dogs don't like cheese. What? Which is bullshit. Dogs love cheese. So I still remember that to this day because it was such a lie. Hmm. Shelly didn't like to be lied to as a mm-hmm. child because <laughs> Mormonism <laughs> is all real. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Next I, channel. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, I was going to do a play on the Lorax for Katie and call it the Borax because you never know when you have an ant problem. It's probably not very humane, though. I thought Borax was the clean shit. It can also get rid of your ant problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Katie, you pick if you want to be Borax or Boxcar. Totally up to it's you. It's up to you. <laughs> Next is Taylor S. Swift. Oh, hell yeah. She would love that. I would love that. (laughs) So Taylor Swift is not the best vocalist, but she can write a fucking lyric. And there is a children's book by Jonathan Swift, Gulliver's Travels. Oh, Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. So this name then would be Taylor Jonathan Swift, Gulliver's Travels. Sorry, Taylor, that sucked ass. But, you know, when (laughs) when Mary does it, sometimes you just don't know. Okay. Last. Inga. J. 
Another J. What's with the fucking J's? J's today. Maybe the J uh, is for Judy Bloom. Remember oh. Judy Bloom? Dear God, it's of, me, Margaret. Yeah. It was more of like a teenage, middle school maybe. Middle school writer. Well, they're still children. For sure. So Inga Judy Bloom. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, channels. This is a weird one today. I yeah. mean, I just have to throw it out that it was Mary's idea <laughs> to do children's books. And this, this I think, gave me more of a headache. Did it? Yeah. Do you have a headache? Mm-hmm. You need to go lay down and, I don't know. Watch some shows, always. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us. If you would like to show us some support, we would really appreciate that. Please visit latterdaylesbian.org slash support. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Don't forget. We are now doing those recaps. After every episode, we do a short video recap. It's about five minutes long or so, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unless Shelly gets to rambling. So usually that's the minimum time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we put those out for Patreon at the $6 and above level and Marco Polo channels after every episode. Yep, we do. We've been putting a lot more stuff up, I got to say. It's true. Shelly's been getting on it. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that, huh? You're welcome. Just trying to pull my weight around here. Give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. Should we thank Dan from Extension Audio? Thanks for leaving it in, Dan. Appreciate you, too. And everybody listening, please steer clear of those cults, because they are no joke. No joke at all. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>